Hey friends, and welcome to episode 174 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's guest knows firsthand what burnout feels like. Fortunately, this guest's story has a happy ending, and if you feel like you're burning the candle at both ends, her story is not only going to give you some hope, but also some actionable takeaways that you can start putting into place today before the overwhelm turns into big-time burnout. So let me cut to the chase and introduce you to Leah Rimelay. Leah Rimelay is the host of the Balancing Busy podcast, an international speaker, and the anti-hustle business coach. Leah helps women do less but better. Simply put, if you're a woman with a mission, but you worry that scaling your business means failing at home, then Leah can show you how to spread your message, make an incredible income, and do it all in less time. In today's conversation with Leah, we chat about what working 120-hour weeks did to her life, her family, and her health. You'll hear about how Leah ditched hustle culture once and for all. We'll also dive into overcoming perfectionism and the need to do it all alone. And of course, lots and lots about using systems, automations, and outsourcing to find balance. And speaking of systems, back in episode 169, I talked all about implementing routines and systems in your life and work with Mary Catherine Dunphy, a member of the creative team at Canvas Style, a woman-led fashion jewelry brand based in San Antonio, Texas. As a special gift to It's About Time listeners, you can save 20% off of your entire Canvas style order with the code ABOUTTIME20 through the end of September. One more time, that's ABOUTTIME20 to save 20% on your order through September 30th, 2023. Definitely go take a look at Canvas style. The Bali silicone bracelets are my everyday favorites. And as usual, you know you can find links to all the productivity tools and resources mentioned in this episode over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 174. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hi, Leah, and welcome to It's About Time. I am so excited to chat with you today. How are you doing? I am amazing and so happy to be here. So thank you. Of course. Uh, when I, I had an email from you in my inbox, just learning all about you and what your life looks like, I knew that you would be just a super fun conversation and I'm ready to dive in. So without further ado, um, I've already given the everybody the official Leah Rimelay bio in the intro, <laughs> but I want to hear it in your own words. How do you spend your time these days? So I am a mom first. That is who I am. I happen to love entrepreneurship. Like I love what I do. 
And so I run a business. I've had it for 14 years. It has pivoted and transitioned all kinds of times, just like so many can relate to. I started as a photographer. I kind of feel like that's like the gateway business <laughs> for like moms who want to, uh, you know, want something. So I started there, uh, built that up and, and got it really successful, you know, mm-hmm. multi six figures. And I'm like, okay, now I got to figure out how to do this better and, and not have it take so much time because I was drowning. So then mm-hmm. I figured out how to do that. Then I created a course that taught photographers how to build a six-figure business without it taking over their lives. Mm-hmm. And I, I taught that for years and years and years. And then I got to this point where I'm like, okay, I've, you know, I've been successful in the online space doing a course. I've been successful as a speaker. I've been successful as a photographer. I don't, I want to start helping all kinds of women. Like if you are a woman who is trying to have a business and you don't want it to always compete with your health, your home, your happiness, I want to help you figure out how to make it work so that we can do less but better. And so that that is how I spend my time. Okay. Well, y'all clearly can now see why I was so excited to have this conversation with Leah because clearly she brings so much passion to what she does. So Leah, you said that you're a mom first. So w- tell me about your family. Uh, do you have boys, girls? Do you have eight kids, two kids? What, what does being a mom first look like for you? So I have three kids. When I started my business, which was 2009, they mm-hmm. were all still um, in diapers. Like uh-huh. I, had, I had three, three and under. And now today I have a senior, a junior, and a freshman. So wow. it is 100% different. And that's so mm-hmm. important to realize because I have now run a business through every stage of having kids in your home. For every mama out there who is trying to run their business during nap time, I love you. You can do this. It's going to take a little longer and that is okay, right? And then there was the transition when they went into school and it was like, this is incredible. I have an entire six hours while they are gone to work, right? Like that was that was its own magic. Um, and, then, and then we went into COVID and then I have, you know, two who do full online, one who's actually at school. So it's this, it's this weird combo. But ultimately, I did it wrong in the beginning. If I'm being totally oh. honest, I got it wrong. I didn't prioritize in the right way. So everything looked amazing. I'm mm-hmm. you know, getting these incredible speaking opportunities. I'm making incredible amounts of income. I'm trying to be all the things, but I really felt like I was drowning. There was not enough of me to go around. I was exhausted all the time. I felt resentful. I was frustrated with myself, with kind of everything. And and that culminated with me actually passing out at the zoo because I stopped sleeping. That was that was how I that was how I got everything done. I would put the kids to bed and then I would go into my office. I would start working at about 8, 8.30. I would tell mm-hmm. myself I'm only going to work for a couple hours at the beginning. I would mm-hmm. usually go till about 5 a.m. until oh my literally my head would hit the keyboard, drag myself to bed, sleep for a couple hours. Then they would come pull on me at 7. You know, mom, we're hungry, whatever, right? And But my husband was in graduate school, so he was gone all the time, so busy. I'm our sole provider, and I'm stay-at-home mom, and and all these things. And so um, one day a week, I would take the kids out for a few hours, and it was the 
the three hours where I felt like a good mom because I wasn't distracted. It, yeah. you know, we didn't even have smartphones like back then. So, you know, I was truly just there with them for at least at least those, you know, three or four hours out of the 168 a week. Like I think back on that and I'm like, what a horrible way to function. No wonder I just felt so bad. I literally felt like I was a good mom for, you know, four hours out of 168 a week. Well, one day we were at the zoo, we were looking at the alligator exhibit and all of a sudden everything just starts closing in around me. And I know like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm about to black out. And so, I mean, back then two of them were in a, in a uh, double stroller and I'm holding the other one's hand who's four, five, almost in kindergarten. And mommy gets taken away in an ambulance and they're left alone at the zoo. And I knew this was my fault. And I'm not saying that in a, in, in a, I'm attacking myself. I'm just saying like, I had brought this on. My body truly went on strike because Mm. it was like, we cannot sustain this. And that was my moment when I was like, everything has to change. I will give up my business, which I love. Like it, this is, you know, when, when people are like, oh my gosh, you have a night all by yourself. No one's going to be home. What are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to work on my business. Like this, this is what I love doing. But I was like, I will walk away if I can't fix this because I will not look back and, and have these regrets. And so that was, that was my moment when I became obsessed with, all things, systems, time management, balance, like, does it even exist? You know, you hear so many people tell you work-life balance doesn't exist. And I was like, if that's true, I don't know what to do. And so I was determined to figure out if it did. Wow. I mean, can we talk about a turning point? My goodness. I cannot even imagine. I'm just, I'm picturing you at the alligator exhibit and then everything just goes black and the breaking point happens and then everything changes. So that has has shaped really the last, would you say, 14 years? And that how probably you, the last 10. Like the last 10? 10 to 11. So yeah. So I've been in business 14 years. That was probably my first three years was that hustle mantra. You know, like it sounds so like, oh, we're, you know, we're that we're hustle women. We make it all happen. That is not sustainable. I am right. right. And, you know, and so then it was like, that was my shift. Yeah. Probably 10 or 11 years ago. And I was like, okay, no. And at first I was, I was sort of, I not sort of, I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. Like I didn't want people to know I have been the world's crappiest wife and mom. And you know, this is, this is what it ended. So I didn't, I didn't talk about it. And then I was speaking at an event, uh, at a conference and my favorite part when I speak at, at conferences is at night is when like Ooh. all the women kind of come together and like, you know, all the teachings done and everybody's, everybody kind of like the, the walls come down and they start talking and sharing. And I started hearing all of these women sharing that, like trying to balance it all. It's so hard. They are struggling. This doesn't feel good. And that was my moment where I was like, oh, this is not a me problem. This is a we problem and I need to open my mouth and start sharing and saying like, hey, I have been there. I've probably screwed up worse than you and I've come out on the other side and like there is hope. There is a better way to do this. And so that was really my moment when I was like, oh, I'm, I'm I'm not doing this just for me anymore. I, for every mama out there who has a dream and wants to be an incredible mom, like, I want her to understand how how we can do this better. 
yes, like we're in this together. So you went from basically living like a vampire and staying up all night and but still somehow getting through the day, um, being exhausted, putting so much stress on your body and stress on your mental health as well. And now you're on the other side. So what does the other side look like for you? Like, what does your day-to-day look like as a mom to older kiddos who runs your business helping other women? Like, tell, Give me a sneak peek into what your days look like. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I went from whatever those hours were. It's not like I tracked him because, you know, no one wants to know, you're a workaholic who works 100 and, you know, 20 hours <laughs> of whatever, right? So, right. But, but I went from whatever that was to part-time hours. So I work Mm -hmm. anywhere between 15 and 20. I give myself Mm -hmm. a lot of grace. If there's a big project, it might be more. If I'm like, "Uh, I want to focus on other things, it might be much, much less. So, Mm -hmm. and in order to do that, so then it's like, okay, well, that sounds awesome. But how? Because one of the big things was I couldn't lose income. I was Mm -hmm. our sole provider. So it's not like I could be like, well, we just won't pay the mortgage this month. Mommy (laughs) needs rest, right? Like you still have to do it all. So that looks like a combination of systems, automation, outsourcing. Outsourcing is one of those things where we get really afraid to do it. And then anyone who has outsourced and done it right, they're like, I would never go back. It's a dream. So I, you know, started getting a lot of help um, from other people, building a lot of checklist systems so that you don't sit down and reinvent. You get to sit mm-hmm. down and you're like, I I have a checklist. I just go through. Also, a lot of batching instead of jumping from task to task. So there's this really interesting study I found forever ago. I don't even remember where it's from, but it had said that only 2% of the population can actually multitask. And I was yep. like, I'm pretty sure I'm not part of the 2%. I'm pretty sure that is not me. So I, I stopped trying to multitask, right? Like I do, I'll do like things together. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. if I'm, if I'm going to work on my podcast, the Balancing Busy podcast, I am like, I'm going to take a half of a day. I'm going to write out all these different episodes and then I'll take another day and I'm going to record it. And so, and then I'm going to hand that out to my podcast manager because that's me outsourcing. Mm-hmm. And then I have a checklist. So in, in corporate world, they call them SOPs. In my world, I call them Bobs, number one, because Bob is like my favorite word to say on the planet. I just think it's so fun. Number Bob. two, it's, it's like, right? It's like just fun to say. Um, it stands for best operating breakdown. So SOP is standard. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do anything standard. I want to make it the best I can possibly make it. So mine is the best operating breakdown. And then we make these checklists. They're just Google Docs and it'll be every single item. I have looms linked anywhere I need them to be in case someone needs to visually see how to do a step. And then anyone on my team can come in and look and check, like, have I done all the things that makes this the best version of whether it's a blog post or it's a podcast or it's taking care of a customer, whatever it might be. So it's this combination of all these, all these different things that cut down my hours dramatically. I also really made this emphasis on what are the things that make me the most money? Mm -hmm. How do I do more of that and outsource other things? And then in the early stages, I would take the time that I was saving from by outsourcing and I would put that time into money-making activities 
Then as mm-hmm. I got more confident and felt like, you know, at first it's hard to outsource because you feel guilty. Like, can I really afford this? I, you know, if I do it myself, I save money. So I just flipped that and said, okay, well then, you know, even like with a house cleaner, I'm going to take the four hours the house cleaner is there and I'm going to spend four hours doing only money-making stuff so I know I can pay her. Over yeah. time, as I got better and better, I was like, I'm going to take those four hours. I'm going to go get a massage and go out to lunch. <laughs> Right. But but that was in time as like I got more confident in in letting go. You know, what's so funny. You you say that you you would you now take the four hours that a housekeeper is you know working in your home, the time that you don't have to spend, you know, cleaning toilets and dusting surfaces. And you use that four hours for income producing activities, getting the most bang for your buck. And that you used to use that time for something that wasn't income producing, something that, you know, you really could have done anytime. I see that a lot with my business owner friends or even my friends who work from home, who during the hours when their kids are at daycare or they have childcare, because that sometimes can be one of the biggest obstacles to getting work done, right? Yes. They use their childcare hours on low impact tasks, like folding the laundry with a TV show on or doing that like cleaning. And it's like, you can, you can do those mindless activities like dusting or folding laundry while your kids are running around the house. You know, like if you've got childcare, if you've got that focus time available, you've got to, you've got to use it where it really counts. And so I love that you shared that you started by using those four hours for, oh, let me go get a massage. Let me, so let me I like... actually flipped them. I actually, oh. start, yeah, I flipped them. So I started with very, very money-making activities. And I do still totally do that in some cases too. But gotcha. I find that, but, but as I got more confident and my income grew and it was like, you know, That's I wasn't, I wasn't as grew. afraid of like, oh my gosh, can I even afford this? Right. Mm-hmm. So as it grew, one of my favorite ways I actually spent the hours while a house cleaner was at my house later, not early on, early on, it was money making activities so that I can afford right. revival to these people, yeah. right? Like, um, but one of my favorites was I would go and volunteer in my kids' classroom. So I'd spend one hour in each of their classes. And it was like, and then I'd come home and be like, the house is perfect. And like, (laughs) you know, it just felt so productive. Like I couldn't have been anywhere better, but in their classroom while my house is being cleaned. And, you know, it's all for, it's, I think one of the things is we need to be really creative with how we outsource. This can Mm -hmm. be anything from Instacart to mm-hmm. an actual employee, to a contractor that's just for a week or two, to, mm-hmm. you know, just some simple service that emails you like your meal plan for the week or whatever. I mean, yeah. it's just whatever is draining us, how and the things that we really, you know, just kind of loathe doing um, or they're not our genius zone. They're not the mm-hmm. things we're honestly great at. Like, how can we let those either fully go or partially go just some version of take some of that off because I thought it was so interesting what you were saying where you're like, what do they do? They go do kind of meaningless tasks. Like they get the kids out and then they're like folding laundry while they watch a show. I think that has a lot to do with energy levels. So Mm. because they are feeling stretched, it's not necessarily a time problem. A lot of times we say, oh, I'm too busy. But Mm -hmm. many times it's not that I'm too busy. It's that I'm, I'm too deprived of energy. It's how we get to the end of the day And, you know, you're like, gosh, there's all those things I could get, I should get done. 
but all you want to do is just sit on the couch and do nothing because you're <laughs> tapped in energy. So that's another right. thing, like paying attention to when do I have the most energy? And I want to use that for those like high impact, income producing, really powerful things that I can be working on that move my needle forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you know you're in high energy mode, laundry folding is not something that you should be doing. Amen. <laughs> but so you you said systems, automation, and outsourcing. Those were three big things that you said early. And I'll be honest, like systems, automation, and outsourcing, for me, five to seven years ago, those would have been really scary words. Mm -hmm. Systems can sound really intimidating. Like you have to have this perfectly mapped out process and I've, I'm already overwhelmed and overloaded. So how can I possibly have time to create a system? That just seems so, that seems scary. How can, how can we make this idea of having systems to make our life easier, um, just less scary? Like where can we start? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. So in all of these things, it's really looking for the easiest way to do something effectively. So I used to look at things like systems and outsourcing and uh, automations, and it sounded like like big, giant rooms full of computers that I have no idea how they do what they do, right? Like it just right. sounds- I always picture a car assembly line, like automation is like robots building cars. Just me? Yeah, maybe- yeah. Okay. So when I when I really started thinking about, let's take that automation one, when I really started thinking about that, and even a system, um, I got really fascinated by studying McDonald's, which is so weird. Mm -hmm. But I was I was studying McDonald's and you know why they are what they are today. And the brilliance of McDonald's was being able to produce the exact same result no matter mm -hmm. what. And I have had the incredible, incredible like blessing and just experience of traveling all over the world. And I can tell you, I have had McDonald's in Tokyo, in Hong Kong, in Australia, in, you know, Seattle, in LA. And guess what? That cheeseburger really does taste the same in every single one of those places. And, and that was actually one of the reasons I wanted to go into a McDonald's like in Tokyo. I'm like, I just need to see, I need to see if it really is the same. And, mm -hmm. and the reason is, is they figured out what is the simplest way to replicate this result over and over and over. So that mm -hmm. is a system, my simplest way to replicate a result. So what I do is I look at, let's take a customer experience. Let's take like maybe onboarding, okay? You need to onboard a new customer. You look and you say, okay, who can I think of who just loves us? Like they mm -hmm. rave, they think we are amazing. We really did it right that time. And then I go back and I think, well, what did we do? And I just make a checklist. That is now our system to follow. Then maybe I, I make that even easier by having some things automated. What is the simplest form of an automation? I have an email that maybe every new customer, I want to send something where I give them, I don't know, some information, what to expect, uh, a place to sign up for something. I don't know, whatever someone might need. So I, I go and look at past emails I've sent. I find the best parts of all of them. I write one incredible, this is the best email I've you know, like that I've, I've sent or that I feel like I can create at this time. And then I mm -hmm. save it as an auto signature. I literally go into my inbox. I go into auto signatures. So my auto signatures, I have dozens of them and mm -hmm. pretty much none of them are really an auto signature. They are mm -hmm. all emails that I send regularly and I can just go in and find new customer onboard. And I click that and it drops it in. So that's the simplest form 
And then there might be something like you're using a third-party system where you drop in their email or even the system captures their their information and then it automatically sends out a drip uh, campaign of emails that onboards them. So there's so many different ways. But ultimately, the simplest way to create the best result over and over and over so that you don't have one customer who has one experience and another one who has a completely different one because we're trying to be a one-man show remembering like, what 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 am I supposed to be doing right now? Oh, shoot, I haven't sent it. Oh, cred, did I forget to tell them this, right? Like, that's a system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's just the the best, the best way to do something yeah. and to capture it and yeah. then to just do it that way every time. Okay. I love it. So, and that's something that's so helpful because we can use that at home. Mm-hmm. We can use that in our businesses or for those of us who, for those who are listening, who are in a professional setting, maybe they're not a business owner. Systems can still apply to you too. Oh, every absolutely. single time you put together XYZ report, every single time you prep for XYZ board meeting or, um, event, you can still create those systems that help you save time and keep you from reinventing the wheel. Okay. Okay, y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Okay. Um, now outsourcing. Okay. Because that's a big one. Mm. And all of these work together, systems, automation, and outsourcing, you know, it can be really hard to let go of things because we can believe that, well, I can do it faster. So I don't want to take the time to show someone else how to do it because that'll just, you know, that'll be a waste of time or nobody else can do it like me Oh yeah. or, or, 
the or what I do is too creative to outsource. That's mm-hmm. something that I hear a lot. Um, so, uh, you know, one great example, and you were a photographer is photographers who are creating out like wedding albums or prints for their clients. Um, no one else can create an album for me. I have to do that. But it really is possible to look for creative ways to oh, communicate yeah. that. So what would you share with someone who just thinks about outsourcing and it just seems like, where would I begin? How do I even start? Okay, so let's let's first... I love what you were sharing and let's re-acknowledge that, that there are a lot of fears that come behind outsourcing. So we need to examine where is this coming from? What is this fear? Is it, I don't think I can afford it. I don't think I deserve it. I don't think someone can do it as good as me. I'm already up to my eyeballs. How on earth am I supposed to find time to train someone else to do this? I just need to do it myself because I don't have time to figure out how to find someone and train them. And right, there's a lot of different things that we We need to get to the root of like, what are you afraid of? And is this true? Is it, is it absolutely law? Is this, uh, you are right? Or is there room for like, "Mm, maybe I'm not. Maybe there is someone who can do this as well as I can. Maybe I can afford it because instead of looking at it as thinking, oh, I have to hire a full employee for 40 hours a week, you realize I can find someone and say, I only have five hours a week that I can currently give you. I would like to give you more, but I need you to help me bring in more money so that I can pay you more and give you more hours. Or you say, hey, we're going to do this as a 30-day trial. I'm really excited to try this and I want it to last, but I have to make sure that it works within the budget. The Mm -hmm. first time I hired a house cleaner, my husband was really unsure. You know, he's still in graduate school. I'm working, and but I'm also home and He's like, I don't know. I don't know if we can afford it. And I said, let me just try it for one month. Mm -hmm. And I just want to see, I believe I am going to be much happier wife, which you will enjoy. Just let (laughs) me test it. Let me tell you, he would never say we shouldn't have a house cleaner now. So you kind of got to start by looking at what the the fear is, the hesitation. Um, An exercise that can be really great is just to document how Mm. you're spending your time for a week. This is not fun. I'm not going to at all pretend that this is like an enjoyable process. It's totally annoying, but it's very eye-opening. So you see where all your time is going. And then once you identify where your time is going, you can start looking and saying, okay, well, which one of these could somebody else do for me? Where am I wasting a lot of time maybe? Where, Where am I getting stuck? You know, one of the things I think a lot of people get stuck on is social media. They are spending tons of time scrolling, trying to think of what to say, trying to find the right picture. Maybe they're actually too attached to that creative process. So you sort of look for and identify what the different things are. Then the next really scary part is, well, how do I find them? How do I train them? I like to actually create something as simple as, I use a different system, but something like Google Forms, where Mm -hmm. you can just ask the main questions you want to know. You don't need to look at a resume. The resume is not going to be relevant to you and it's not really helpful. So just make a form like I need to know your name, your email address, show me your Instagram, answer these four questions. Tell me how many hours you're hoping to have. Tell me how much you'd like to make. You don't even have to figure out what to pay them. They can tell you. And then (laughs) you, you know, put it out on social media and ask people to share it. So that can be much simpler than people think it is. Then from there, it's like, well, how do I train them? Well, I train them by 
literally in real time, when I am doing the task, I open up Loom and I just talk while I'm working. So it's not taking me any extra time. I'm just talking through what I'm doing and mm-hmm. then they can watch those and learn how to do it. So that that's kind of what that looks like. And then as far as you made that comment, and I think you're so right, it was so spot on of like this idea of like, oh, but I'm the only one that can do this. Like mm-hmm. uh, other people, you know, uh, this is too creative, whatever it is. I was sitting on a plane heading to a conference uh, years and years ago, I think one year into my business and I'm sitting and I'm, so I'm still a photographer and I'm sitting next to these other two photographers and I knew who they were, you know, like they were, they were pretty successful. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know them. And right. And so we're talking over throughout the flight and they're asking me questions and, and he's asking me about, I think it was editing that he was asking about. And I was like saying, I, you know, oh yeah, no, I do all my editing. I don't know. I just feel like I have my style and everything. And he just stops. He looks at me and he goes, why are you doing minimum wage work? And I was like, that was so brutal. (laughs) But I couldn't stop thinking about it, right? Like in the moment, I'm like, oh, ah, hmm." I didn't quite know what to say, but I have never forgotten that. And I check myself frequently where I'm like, whoa, I'm the CEO. I am the business mm-hmm. owner. This is this is this is uh, this is assistant work. This is um VA work. This is work that you can outsource. Like I should not be doing this work. So that was that was a big uh a big wake up for me and it really helped shift the way I looked at at outsourcing. Wow. Wow. Why are you doing minimum wage work? That <laughs> I feel like that is going to be echoing in my head every single time I do some sort of task for the next few weeks Um, because it really is such a mindset shift, you know? Yes, right? Yeah. I think a lot of times as business owners, as women, even professionals in, in, you know, management roles, we tend to think that if we don't do everything ourselves, then it doesn't count, that it's not our work, that we're somehow cheating. But what are you cheating yourself of doing if you continue to bog yourself down in all of the little bitty, just low impact to-dos? That's so good. Even even for our, our corporate women who have an assistant, but they're still taking on so much of the work and not handing more over. Right. They're mm-hmm. still like, oh, it'll just be faster if I do it. Maybe this one time. But if this is a duplicate, this is a process that's replicated over and over. It is not faster for you to do it time after time. Those minutes add right. up. So, yeah. yeah, even just realizing, are you are you giving enough to the people who are supposed to be helping you if you do have help already? Or do you keep trying to hold on to some of it? Do you keep saying, well, I'll let them do this part, but I, I probably need to do this other part. No, no, mm-hmm. maybe you don't. It's that concept of wanting to be irreplaceable in your role, you know, especially in those corporate roles. You want to be so good that, you know, you are just the the best, most amazing person. I'm going to make myself irreplaceable. But if you make yourself irreplaceable and if you you don't let go of things or learn how to let go of things, you can't move up. You can't progress in your career because you can't can't be replaced in that position that you're in. Yeah, it's so true. And even within our businesses, our business, like 
whether you're in corporate or you're an entrepreneur, in each of those situations, we want to and need to be able to evolve. That is what we are meant to do, to grow, to progress, to evolve. And if we pigeonhole ourselves and we're so tied in, you don't have the space to create and recognize and become the next version of you because there's no room. Absolutely. You know, I love how you said that we we always have to evolve. It brings me back to your business and how your business has evolved over the years. You, over 14 years, your kids being at different ages, you having run your business, your business changing over time. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about what almost like leveling up from one evolution to the next has has felt like for you because change is hard. And once we kind of get into a groove, even though things are changing around us, it can be really hard to shift. So how have you navigated that at adapting and the evolutions in your business over the years? So that as soon as you started asking the question, the first word that came to mind was hard. And then mm-hmm. and then you said like, you know, it is hard. I think we hear leveling up and that sounds really exciting. It sounds glamorous. It sounds, what do we see on social media, right? Like you scroll and the person's like, I just made 20,000 in a day. And then they're like, I made 20,000 in an hour. And then they're like, I made 20,000 in a minute or whatever. But this idea that it's like this always, you got to be topping yourself all the time and you're trying to top everybody else. And the honest truth is, Leveling up means pivoting. It means that you have to change your direction. And that's scary. That Mm -hmm. is hard. There's even the idea of being willing to pull back, which can be its own form of leveling up. I have a senior in high school this year. This is it. I am at the end of my era with all of my kids in my home. This year, last year, they look incredibly different than years past. I Mm -hmm. recognize that in four years, I am an empty nester. I can spend all the time I want building my business, but I will not and choose not to make this be the time that I'm going to go all out and do crazy things. So that Mm -hmm. in and of itself is leveling up, but not the way that I, the, the, all I can think is not the way that the world tells me success should look like, but it is yeah. success to me, right? Like Leveling up doesn't always have to mean more. Yeah, it does not. Ha- more is not always better. Leveling up does not have to mean more, and it doesn't have to look like what everybody else's leveling up looks mm. like. So, you know, I went from photographer to building my first course. That felt, that one was fun. That one was exciting because- you know, I'd started as a photographer. I built my photography business into six figures really quickly. And then I wanted to show women how to create their own six-figure photography business because I thought, I'm not even that good of a photographer. So if I can do this, anyone can do this, right? So I'm like, <laughs> I want to show these other women how to do it. So that felt like a very natural transition. But when about seven years into my business, when I was like, I haven't touched a camera in years, it feels mm-hmm. weird that I still only speak to photographers, and yet I don't own a photography business anymore. I'm ready to start talking to all kinds of women entrepreneurs, women who are trying to balance the busyness, because I've now been 
in multiple industries. That one was much, much harder because it was scary. Like I was known more in the photography world, right? Like I had, Mm -hmm. a, a, you know, a lot of people who knew me and recognized me. But once I moved into this other one, it was like, I'm back to the bottom where I got to say who I am. So that was really scary. And then as, as I went in with that one and then, you know, again, felt like, oh, I think I'm supposed to transition again. I think this next step is, is fully letting go of, of everything that is this past career version of me. It was again, really scary. And so you really have to follow your intuition your Mm -hmm. gut, those who are spiritual, it's a lot of prayer and really trying to ponder, you know, it's, it's, it's scary, but we really are meant to progress. And so we've got to be willing to pivot. The last thing I want for anyone is that we're holding on so tight to what did work that Mm -hmm. we end up drowning because we're still trying to hold on to the boat with holes in it, thinking like, well, no, it's supposed to keep floating. It's supposed to keep floating. And yet all yeah. the are like, uh, you're sinking and they're holding so tight that, you know, they don't get onto the new boat that, that doesn't yeah. have the holes. Right. Exactly. You know, you said that leveling up for us as individuals and changing and adapting and evolving, it doesn't have to look like what leveling up looks like to the rest of the world. It's this, it kind of reminds me of work-life balance. Mm. I like to say that work-life balance is not a formula. It's a feeling. You know when when you're there, but there is not a first you do this, then you do this. There is not a copy and paste solution to create your version of work-life balance. Um, Tell me, like, what are your thoughts on the concept of work-life balance? So I absolutely believe work-life balance exists. I feel it. I know it. I live it. And I've lived it for a decade. (laughs) However, work-life balance is not rigid. It It is a flow. So it, you have to be changing all the time. The best way I can explain that is if I'm riding on a bicycle, okay, if, if I get on a bike and I try to put my, my feet on the pedals, but I'm not moving, I am going to fall over. Mm-hmm. But when I am moving and I'm leaning to the left, I'm leaning to the right, I'm putting the brakes on when things are getting, you know, I'm, I'm going down the hill and things are getting real fast and crazy. I'm, I'm ramping up my pedaling when I come up to a hill. That is balance. Balance is you're always adjusting. You're mm-hmm. always reworking. So what balance looked like during the season when my kids were at a certain stage is completely different, right? Toddlers versus early elementary versus middle school versus high school. Like every single one of these stages. And even within those, you've got, okay, summertime versus they're in school time. You've got, right? Like there are so many versions where we're constantly readjusting to make things feel in balance again. So balance is not rigid. That's the most important thing. Uh, I think we're often afraid of balance because we think we're going to have to give up so much. Like, oh, in order to have balance, I just have to keep giving things up so that there's not as much on my plate. And I remember that being really scary because I was like, I don't know what to give up anymore. I've given up sleep. I don't spend time with my friends. I don't do anything extra. I'm literally down to work, kids, sometimes spouse, not nearly as much as it should have been back then. 
right? I'm like, what? what's left? And that wasn't what balances. It isn't about having to give things up. It's about doing the things that matter most, letting go of the things that don't really matter. And the way that I look at this is uh, there was this beautiful, beautiful lecture called Good, Better, Best. And it's this idea of, okay, some things, especially for, for your audience, I don't imagine that there are really anyone in your audience who's doing bad things, okay? They do good things, they do better things, and they do best things. So you start looking and asking yourself, is this a good, better, or best? Like, what I'm doing is good, but is there a better way? Is there a best way? So even, even me looking at that, we, we talked about early on, you know, getting a house cleaner. Okay, well, mm-hmm. um, the, the good thing was taking that time and getting a massage. Okay, that was good. Like, I was relaxing. I felt good. The better thing was income-producing activities. But for me, yeah. the best thing was when I was in my kids' classrooms, volunteering, sitting with them, seeing them, you know, in the classroom. Like, for me personally, that was the best thing I could have done with that time. So I asked myself that literally all the time. Like, is, is this good, better, or best? And if it's good or better, is there is there a next level? Is there something else I could do that would that would be even better? Being work life balance is just having the most important things first. It's it's Stephen Covey's first things first, right? It's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the big rocks first. Those are those are your core values, and then the other things, and then at the very end is is the little things, and that's how it all fits. Yes. Okay. So work-life balance is a thing and work-life balance is putting the first things first, knowing what the first thing, what knowing what those most important things are for you individually, not what everybody else says should be the most important things, but knowing in your heart what's most important and putting those things first. Yeah. You have to know your core values and you have to be brave enough to let go of some of the stuff that you realize isn't serving you. Funny enough, some of those things are like the entire, you know, entrepreneurial space is saying you have to be on Instagram. Like you need to be there all the time. You need to make a million reels all the time. And you look at all of it and you go, huh, you know what? I get very little engagement. I actually don't get much results. But when I do this other thing, that's Mm -hmm. actually where all my clients come from. Work-life balance is being brave enough to say, I'm not going to do it the way everyone says I have to do it. I'm going to do it the way that I am seeing the best results and that is in alignment with my core values. And so I'm a big proponent of tracking because when you measure, you realize and can see like, oh, I don't even have to do that. It doesn't even work. But this thing, that is working. And so I'm going to put a lot more energy into that and I'm going to feel zero guilt letting go of the other thing. Yes, yes. I mean, the numbers don't lie, right? And you, you, you have to, you have to know what value you're getting out of how you're spending your time and if they tie back to your core values, because in the end, it all goes back to core values, who you are and what you stand for. Um, and I love that so much. Leah, it has been an absolute delight to spend time with you today, to learn about you, to hear about how you do life and how you help others. Can you tell us how we can keep in touch with you and continue to learn from you? Absolutely. Okay. So these are obviously podcast listeners. They love It's About Time. And so I also have a podcast, which is Balancing Busy. So that would be a great place to start. Come subscribe and and 
take a listen. I am on Instagram, Facebook, my website. It is all leahremelay.com. I get that Remelay is a doozy. So if you're not <laughs> driving and you can text yourself right now, it is L-E-A-H-R-E-M-I-L-L-E-T.com. So you can find me on any social or my website or Balancing Busy Podcast. Perfect. And of course, we'll be sure to link everything in the show notes so you'll be able to click over there and then connect with Leah. Leah, thank you again so much for your time today. It has truly been just a great experience. I feel so inspired having chatted with you. um, And thank you again for being here. Really looking forward to staying in touch. Thank you. And there you have it. From burnout to bobs, Leah Rimelay is proof that overwhelm doesn't have to be forever. There is definitely another way, and creating systems is a great place to start. You can find links to the productivity tools that Leah mentioned by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 174. And don't forget that you can save 20% on your entire Canvas style order with the code abouttime20 through the end of September. One more time, that's about time 20 to save 20% on your order through September 30th, 2023. All right. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.